get started then. Romans 16. Um, I will let you know, like I said, for the ladies, there are uh, carnations next door. And they're for all the ladies. So you make sure you get yours before leaving today, okay? All right, Romans 16, if you will. We're down here again. Uh, actually, this is part number 5 of uh, verse 25 to 27. And uh, we're really just going to kind of scratch the surface. So we're at least a good three or four more parts uh, to this uh, area here. Um, again, verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, the everlasting, according, I'm sorry, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And again, I don't want to do a lot of re- review but just last time we we looked into this and we began to deal with the issue here of what Paul is doing at the end of the book he's releasing the believer to the edification process and he, literally we are talking about the believer Paul's talking about the believers being properly established Again, on the grounds of the foundational truth, why? So that we're able to, to stand against the satanic policy of evil, the adversary's attack, and back up in verse 17 and 18. And Paul is going to release us to further edification, further spiritual growth. And, and again, the idea is that Acts 20, verse 32, I commend you to God, and the word of his grace will build you up. And that's the idea here. And, and, and again, verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you, again, according to. Here's the blueprint. Here's the standard. Then he says, my gospel, Paul's personalization of ownership. It's his. No one prior to Acts 9 ever talked like Paul, sounded like Paul, instructed like Paul, did anything like Paul does in, his, in the revelation given to him. The information, it's his gospel. The good news belongs to him. And, and again, that issue there and why, he's, why it's that way is because God's waving that flag of, hey, I'm doing something different, and the guy telling you about it is this guy, Saul of Tarsus, i.e. Paul the Apostle now. And he's the one, and I'm doing something special here, and while the events of the cross have been prophesied and talked about, the death, burial, and resurrection, what all of that means and the meaning behind it and the meaning behind what God's going to do with it has been kept secret. Now it's revealed. Now it's made known. By the way, that's why when you read the book of Hebrews, it sounds like Paul wrote it. Paul didn't write Hebrews. Why? Because Hebrews comes online right after Paul, as Paul in the later part of the book of Acts, where now Paul, now they've got this information that Paul has and so forth. Now there's some explanation to the nation of Israel what the, what the cross means for them. Why in Romans 3 he would say through uh, the... What would he say, Rick? <laughs> Romans 3 and verse 25 there, 
whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. It's that information that's given to Paul, that's never talked about, it's never revealed prior. Paul gets it, he reveals it, then the writer of the book of Hebrews comes in, and what does the writer say? He died what? Once for all. He's our propitiation now. Why? Well, they didn't look forward to the cross. God the Father looks forward, but Paul reveals the hidden meaning. So, and by the way, my own personal, private, subjective opinion of the writer of the book of Hebrews is Barnabas. And I, everybody else, nobody ever says, oh, 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 Barnabas, but Barnabas had integral, detailed information because he worked with Paul directly in the very beginning of his ministry. Therefore, he would be, I think he's a prime candidate to write the book. He would know Timothy. He would know all the, guy, all the players. But he would know, here's what the cross means for who? The circumcision believers, the believing remnant, the nation of Israel. Anyway, again, that's my own. You don't have to agree with me. God wrote it, first word, first name in the book, first verse. And I, I'm good with that. But if you need a human author, that's just my my understanding at this moment on 5-14-2023, okay? <laughs> Subject to change at any moment, right? Anyway, if you go back to chapter 16, verse 25, then he says, according to my gospel, and. And the ands there are, the, here's the next thing, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. And we looked last time at that issue about kept secret and that doctrine of intercalation uh, and that insertion of a secret here. This should never be a surprise to any Bible student. If you're a student of the Scriptures, and I'm talking Genesis to Revelation, which we ought to be, you understand that there are places all through Scripture where God gives a little bit of information, stops, gives more, and then later gives stuff that can come and get inserted back in there. All right? That's what intercalation is. I-N-T-E-R-C-A-L-A-T-I-O-N. Calendar. Inserting back in times. That's why when you talk about a gap theory, everybody goes to Genesis 1-1. There are gaps all through Scripture. <laughs> this summer, hopefully... Lord willing, we're going to talk about the gap theory. And I'll, we'll spend a whole hour just looking at the different places in Scripture where there are gaps in, of information that subsequently God reveals that you can go and stick back in and say, okay, that's where that happens, that's where that happens. Kept secret, deliberately. He kept this hidden. If you think about a set of blueprints, okay? He's got the foundational blueprints there. He's got wing A there, and then he went over to wing B and said, you know what, this one's going in the pocket. This one we're not going to talk about. So then he goes back into the main building, and he removes all mentions of Schedule B, Blueprint B. He removes all of that, so it just looks like an A. When I was in real estate appraising, uh, my continuing ed class, I took a blueprint reading class because at the time there was so much building going on, we had to actually go with lenders, work for lenders to read the blueprints on these new buildings and new builds and everything. 
and all we needed really was to figure out how to get the square footage. Well, there's a wonderful little thing called a legend down there that the architect stamps that tells you the square footage. <laughs> but at least that's what my teacher said. And guess what? He was right. It's right there. But anyway, so we look at, and, and you'll see, you know, this here, schedule this. I, I, I'm working on a 1958 Chevy pickup truck, and I've got the factory build manual. And the schedule, A, page 78 so I go over there to that page, and I'm looking at it, and at the very bottom in the note that I need, it says, you need Schedule D, page 208. <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then I get online, and guess what? There's a nice resources, and we find. And so it's, what did he do? He took all of that mention out of Building B off the chart, off the main. It's just Building A, Earth, Israel. He kept it deliberately and on, on purpose. As we ended last week, I gave you six questions we're going to look at as we begin to look into these details here according to the revelation of the mystery. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. As we begin to look into this preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery... We want to look at the, the preaching of Jesus Christ in, in, in roughly six sections, six questions. One, who is it about? Okay. Two, what is it about? Three, where is it about? Where is it? Four, when was it revealed? And then five, why was it kept secret? And then six, how can it be? Well, verse 27 tells you, to God only what? Wise. Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. You see, it's the wisdom, it's the hidden wisdom of God. That's how it can be. And we'll get into it. And as we go through this, and as we look at these, um, I, didn't invent the, I didn't invent the who, what, where, why, when, and hows. I didn't invent that. We understand that. But in looking at this, I didn't want to just preaching Jesus Christ and move on. I wanted us to, to kind of dissect this and look at this because when we talk about first, who is it about, and we talk about the preaching of Jesus Christ, sometimes we get criticized to say, well, you guys are, are, are eliminating the Old Testament and eliminating Christ in the Old Testament and so forth, and we're not doing that. We're literally preaching him in another role, in another way, okay? So you see, God, in the wisdom of God, he has another role for his son. He has another purpose. He has another realm. He has another apostle. And ultimately, he has another victory that he's going to demonstrate. So when we talk about who, what, where, when, and why, it's really, we're, we're taking the same person, Paul, over and over again, He'll say, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead according to, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, the seed of David was raised according to my gospel, one of the my gospels. Huh? How does that work? In other words, what he's saying is not the activity, not the action, but the same God, the same man, the same person, the Jehovah, the Messiah of Israel is what? Our Redeemer. It's the same guy. See? 
We're just preaching him in, in a what? In a new man, in a different, in another role. In another, there's a fly in here and he's going to land on me. So if I hit myself, you know what's coming, okay? All right? And my fly swatter is not up here. So anyway, it's what happens on Mother's Day, right? So when we talk about who is this all about, you know, again, the question is, do we preach? Are we focusing in on just the mystery? Just who are we preaching? Well, we're preaching Jesus Christ. And that's going to be the issue here. We're preaching the person. We're not talking about just the cross. We're not talking about just the dispensation of grace or just the church, the body of Christ. All of those are the how it gets done. See, that's number six. But what we're talking about as we get started in thinking this through is we are preaching the person of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we preach Him? That becomes the focus here. You see, we're preaching Him in a new manner, a new way, a new role, an additional role, an additional way. However you need to word it, the work in your thinking, but we're doing it not... We're doing it at the exclusion of the Old Testament, not the denial of the Old Testament and the prophets. In other words, what we're going to be talking about is you can't find this about him in the Old Testament. So what do we do? We exclude him, you see. Exclude that. We're talking about him this way. We preach Jesus Christ. We're preaching the person of Jesus Christ, and we're going to preach him, him his, the person according to the revelation of the mystery. And literally what that, what's going to happen is in that revelation of the mystery, we'll see it here, is it's going to demonstrate the glorious purpose that God the Father has intended for His Son for all of eternity. Eternity past, present, obviously, and in the future. And the issue here is all of that God's going to accomplish. We'll see a verse in Ephesians called His Eternal Purpose is centered in and on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's everything. So if we are going to properly serve and properly worship our Savior, then we have to do it how? Well, the way the Father wants it to be done. We can't come in and mix up and you know do this other. So when in verse 25 and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. What does the revelation of the mystery add to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what we're gonna, that's the focus. That's the what 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 does it add to the Lord Jesus Christ that wasn't already known about him? Come over to Ephesians 1. You see, there's a lot known about the Messiah, Jehovah, back in Exodus when the Lord appears to Moses. He says, they know me as God Almighty, Creator. Now they need to know me as Jehovah, Provider. The great I Am, fill in the blank. See. So there's a lot of information. We'll see it, hopefully, we get down there. And I get off the introductory remarks here. <laughs> but what happens is, is we're not, we don't preach him that way. We're going to add to that. We're not going, we're going to exclude it because it's not back there. We don't dismiss it, though. 
saved because we're talking about him and who he is. Ephesians 1. In Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, we're going to get some advanced truth. Here's the revelation of the mystery. Okay? Here's the revel- we're preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret, but now is made manifest. And it's right here in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. As it's going to focus in on the issues here, the deep details regarding the glorious mystery that was kept secret is right here. This information is not in the book of Romans for a reason. Romans is covering the deep details of the cross work and the finality of it, the death, burial, and resurrection, and then your life in Christ and a life he gave you. And you're not Israel, you're the body, and what he's doing today, he has the right to do today. He doesn't, he's not violating any scriptural concepts or thought or anything. And then here's how you're going to go live that life, that grace life. That's the book of Romans. That's my gospel. Now he says, I'm releasing you to that information, but I'm also going to release you to some advanced doctrine over here that's coming. Now, you guys at Rome, you didn't, you didn't know that yet. When I get there, that's why back there in Romans 15, when he says, when I, uh, verse 29, and I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. The fullness is, is hey guys, when I get there, I'm going to give you this advanced doctrine. Fullness, fill it up. I'm going to complete you out and your edification. Okay? Ephesians 1. So, when we talk here about the revelation of the mystery, we're moved on now to that future edification process that he's releasing us to. And what we're going to do now is Paul's providing all those deep details about that glorious God, that glorious mystery truth that is kept secret but now is made known. Look at verse 8. Wherein he, and the he there is going to be the Father. Back to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. According as he, that's the Father, hath chosen us in him, that's the Son. Now go to verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us, he, the Father, hath abounded toward us in all wisdom. There's to, the only, to God only wise. And prudence. I love prudence. It's wonderful when you have it at, at uh, moments of clarity. <laughs> Prudence is looking behind and seeing the stuff going on behind that initial wall. Stuff's happening here, but what's really who, who and what is really pulling the strings? Not a conspiracy theory, okay? But reality, what's really going on? I always like it to the time we were in the swimming pool with the kids, and we had big, those big uh, scuba masks on, and you split the mask with the water, and you can see above and be below. That's the idea, sticking your head in there and being able to see beneath the surface. That's what prudence is. Having made known unto us, how has how he abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence? Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself. Notice what, it, what has he done. 
He has a mystery of his will that he's made, he's abounded toward us. And you know what that provides? That provides all wisdom and understanding and knowledge and prudence. It gives us everything. Here it is. Here's what my will has always been about and will always be about. According to his, I love that, good pleasure. (laughs) The Lord found pleasure, not just good pleasure, in revealing this, which he purposed where? In himself. Again, he kept it. In Mark 13, we're studying on Wednesday night, we're down in the verse where uh, the Lord tells the apostles that are there with him, he says, "No, uh, no man knows the time, no man nor the angels, nor the Son, but it's of the Father. Why? Well, in John, he says, the Father kept that in his own power. That's information that only the Father kept. He kept it. It's his. Now watch verse 10. What did he keep? What did he purpose in himself? That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together and one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. That, the purpose, the intent. Here's his good purpose. Here's what he purposed in himself. What what is he going to do? He's going to gather, notice that. He's going to gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now notice what the verse doesn't say. It doesn't say that he's going to gather all things as one. See that? He doesn't say he's going to make all things one. You have to be very careful. What does he say? Gather together in one all things. And the reason for that is the issue of the heaven and the earth, those two realms. They are two realms. And for the very first time, through the Apostle Paul, God is revealing his good pleasure, what he's purposed in the two realms. He's not taking heaven and earth and making them one. He's gathering together where? In one, all things. What he's purposed in to do in the heaven and the earth, the two realms. His purpose in heaven and his purpose in earth is to bring it all back under the headship. It's to consolidate it all under one supreme ruler, one supreme king, one supreme head. Over there, Paul will say he's king of kings and lord of lords. He's the only potentate. Wow, what a name, potentate. He's the only potentator. He's the only, Colossians in a minute will see he's the preeminent one. Why? He's But see, nowhere, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the what? And the earth, the two realms. Revelation 21, at the end there, where John's at, he says there is a new heaven and a new earth. Two different realms, but under what? One ownership, one headship. So when we talk about the revelation of the mystery, we're talking about something much deeper than just the gospel, just Calvary, or just the dispensation of grace where he's using the Gentiles to accomplish. Again, that's the how. We'll get there, okay? He's talking about something much deeper than the, just the forming of the church, the body of Christ. He's actually talking about 
and revealing the good pleasure of God's will, and it has to do with placing His Son as the supreme ruling authority over the universe. That's what He's doing. That's where you and I, that's why we are a new creature. That's why we are a new man. Why? Because this humanity, this earthy, can't function where? In the heavenly. So He's got to have something new there. And by bringing the two realms under or into consolidation, one supreme authority, not two into one, but what? Two distinctive. I, I don't look back there at Genesis. I, I I hesitate to do this, but I think we need to do this. Look at Genesis one. No, I don't. <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> no, oh, I don't need to hesitate. Just do it. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I'm like, I'm like, what? What do you mean? Now you don't. Paul is all knowing this morning. <laughs> Boy, is that not a setup for fail? Look at Genesis one, one one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The next verse, and the earth. So we know from Genesis one two all the way to Acts nine is all about the earth. We get that. But what I want you to notice something is look here at verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, divide the waters that were under the firmament from the waters that were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament what? Heaven. Okay? And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land, and it was so, and God called the dry land earth. So we've got them, right? we got the two realms, heaven, but what is that firmament in heaven? Well, what's he going to do? Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day. And he, and he dresses the, what we call outer space, the starry sky. But look at verse 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the what? Open firmament. Well, wait a minute. Firmament is called heaven, carries that name. He dresses it with the starry sky, the, 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 the solar system out there, the universe, okay? And then around earth, what does he do? He creates an open firmament for who? For created the animal kingdom, humanity. So we have first heaven, then we have second heaven. Okay. Now God has moved his city outside of the container, so we have the third heaven. Therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. So that heavens, don't let the new Bibles trick you and think you've got to have heavens in Genesis 1.1. It didn't happen that way. My point is, is this open firmament you and I function in. We got up this morning, okay, we went out, we heard the birds squawk at us, and off we went. But if you go into the second heaven, what do you need? You need help. You need a space shuttle. You need a space suit. You need things out there, because what? You're not created to do what? Function in that environment. But with a new body and a new heavenly places, a new agency, what is he going to do? He's going to change the vile body. It's going to be fashioned like his glorious body. And you're going to be able to function where? In that realm out there. 
and the new. Okay, here on the earth, by the way, so come back to Ephesians. When he says here, this issue here about the heaven, he, he's going to gather all of the things in heaven, all of the things on the earth, and he's going to put it back under that, that solidated supreme ruler. He's not talking about taking heaven and earth and melding them together and making one. All right? He leaves them separated. Why? That's because that was the intent in creation all along. By the way, the intention, Psalm says, was for him to bring his city and dwell on the earth amongst his creation. All right? That was his goal. That is his ultimate goal. So you know what that tells you? The third heaven is a transient situation. It's not a permanent situation. He's on exile. What do you do when you're on exile? <laughs> you're just visiting until exile is over. The Godhead is on exile right now. Okay? Man's rejected him, and so off he went. My point is, is the mystery, the preaching of the revelation, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, it centers upon the Lord Jesus Christ as the Father places His Son and says and announces that His Son is who's going to be the supreme ruler over heaven and earth. So the mystery has to do with the right of the Lord Jesus Christ to be what? That supreme ruler. Okay, that supreme commander over the governmental structure of the heavens and the governmental structure of the earth. We preach Christ according to that. That's what we're preaching Christ according to. We're cre preaching Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, according to that, the secret information, this different relation, this issue of that no one knew. Look at what his cross has accomplished. Yes, it saves you from hell, but what does it do? It places you in those heavenly places because here's the bigger picture. Here's the advanced information that we're coming to. This past couple weeks, I've been watching the Smithsonian Channel. Has been It's Memorial Day. It's May. And they've been playing the World War II stuff. And they would say, MacArthur is the Allied Supreme Commander of the Pacific. And he only had a piece of it. And then this other general had the other piece. And then this guy over here has got the and supreme. Why? Because it, who's the top dog? <laughs> the Eisenhower, MacArthur, these guys are. So when the, when, when the president wants to know, he's not calling the corporal. He should probably, but he's not. He's calling who? The guy he put in charge. Who's the father put in charge? The son. Who are we preaching? We're preaching that. Come to change. You're back in Ephesians now, chapter 3. I, and see, I didn't want to get all... Uh, creation is so much deeper going on there than... Again, now that we have Paul, <laughs> and we have some revealed truth about what God's intention is for the heavenly places, never known. I can imagine when Isaiah and the boys wrote about the, the, there's going to be a war in heaven, and the Lord's going to dip his sword in heaven, and they're like, what is all that about? It's been removed from the blueprint, the detail. Their job is to just do what? Write it. 
because revelation was coming, and what does that little flock need to know in the midst of the week of that 70th week? When we see that happening in the heavens, it's time to do what? <laughs> Hunker down, because here he comes. He's coming. And gives them so. So anyway, Ephesians 3. Look at verse 11. Ephesians 3.11. According to the what? Eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, the he here, the Father. What did he do? Chapter 1, verse 10. He's going to bring it all back under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice it's called an eternal purpose. They had an eternity conference before Genesis 1-1 ever came into being. The Godhead gets together. The Father's got the plan. And he rolls out the blueprint. And the Son comes in. And the Holy Ghost comes in. And they look at it and they go, wow, we like that plan. And they begin to work in unit, work in harmony. And the Son says, I'll go and do thy will, Father. What you, That's... What I'm doing, I'm doing this, why? Because it's called glory. That's the blueprint name, by the way. He's the father of glory. He's the one that gave birth to glory. You lay it all out there. And then the father says, okay, we got the plan. Now we're going to keep all of this secret. <laughs> Top secret, put it in the, in, the, in the safe. And the son says, hey, that's great, let's go do it. Bam. And the Holy Spirit says, yep, I'm on board. Let's go to work. So then what? In the beginning, God created. And it started. And it's been ongoing ever since. Verse 21. Unto him be glory to the church. How? By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. The revelation of the mystery is what places the Lord Jesus Christ in an eternally new context new picture, new role. It adds to the prophetic context, to the prophetic picture, to the prophetic role. And what Paul is doing is he says, "Only I'm the only one talking about this. Prophecy, yeah, remember, prophecy has a very limited view of Christ, of the Messiah. He's limited to just the pronouncements of the prophets. Moses, the Old Testament. He's limited there. We'll see here if we have time. We'll go over to Luke 24, and he says, All they talked about me, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> He's limited to that. Paul says, You know what we're doing? Now we're revealing we're, we're a bigger purpose. We're taking the handcuffs off, guys. We're exposing the bigger here. And God pulls back the curtain, if you will, and he reveals the splendor of this eternal purpose that he had in making Jesus Christ the Son, the supreme ruler over all of the governmental authority. Come over to Philippians 2, next book. Just watch it happen here. You see, Paul... What is the revelation of the mystery? What is the preaching of Jesus Christ? It's about Christ, but in a new manner, a new role, an, another world, another way, another picture. It, he's literally unlocked the riches. And th th 
when we get down in verse 27 in chapter 16, he says, this is how the wise God is glorified. It isn't through the kumbaya and the waving of the hands and all that other nonsense. How's he glorified? It's in the preaching of the Lord in this manner. Look at what I'm doing with my son. He's the supreme. In Philippians 2, again, advancement in truth. Verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. He's the center of it all. He's been exalted. Now, why has he been exalted? Well, what did he do? Verse 6, 7, and 8. What did he do? Who, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself. What did the son do? By the way, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, that cursed cross, that cursed death. But what did he do? He humbled himself. The father does not make him do this. The father says, here's the plan. I'd love for you to participate with me in the plan. The son says, I'm on board, let's go. The Holy Spirit says, I'm on board, let's go. See. You know what the Father does to you and I? The same thing. Here's the plan. And I would love for you to come and love the Son the way I love the Son. I would love for you to come and participate in the plan. That's why, that's why we're dragging our feet through these verses. Because here's the plan. Here's the advancement. Here's the next level. Here's where we need to be. Who's going to... Verse 9, who's the, who, he, wherefore God, there's the Father, also hath highly exalted him, the Son, and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. Wow, boy, if we had time to go through that. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff going on out there, but who's the supreme ruler? Who's the preeminent one? The Lord Jesus Christ. Never talked that way before, by the way, in the Old Testament. But now he's what? Revealed that way. Verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There it is again. How's God glorified? Well, he's glorified because he's the only wise God. And he has an eternal purpose. And he has... He's demonstrating his glory, that, and it has everything to do with his eternal purpose that, again, he kept hidden in himself, and that eternal purpose designated the Son, the Lord, to be the rightful supreme ruler of the universe. That's what he did. Colossians 1. You guys looking at me. I, I, I get, I'm excited. We can go hours on this. Why? Because this is... So when we say, who is this about, we preach Jesus Christ. We're preaching the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in what manner? See, we're not just saying, woo, you know, yay, here's a lowly baby in a manger. Boom. No, we're saying, no, he is who? He's the rightful ruler. Colossians 1, verse 13. Colossians 1. Who hath delivered who the Father? That's verse twelve. Giving thanks unto the Father, verse thirteen. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Again, the two realms, not two realms into one, but two distinct realms. What do they have? Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. In, in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, when you read that term, that phrase, all things, just think, verse 16, governmental authority. Okay? Because in Philippians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, the focus is the big picture of what God's purpose, that eternal purpose, he's the supreme ruler over all the governmental authority. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, all what things? Verse 16, the thrones, the dominions, the principalities, the powers, the mights, all that. He might have the what? The preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. The fullness there is not chapter 2, verse 9, where He's the Godhead bodily. The fullness here is the fullness, the coming, the completion of God's eternal purpose that He kept and hidden Himself. Of, of launching, of setting his son as the supreme and the rightful ruler over the universe because you know what he did? It's the, the faith of the Son of God. He went and did what the Father asked him to do. He died. That's why verse 14 sits right there about the forgiveness of sins. It reminds you of what he did. What did he do? Not my will, but thy will. I'm coming to die for man. I know it. I'm over here doing this. The fullness is that whole, uh, he's the head of it, the, the preeminence, the fullness dwell, that, that in him should all fullness dwell. So who are we preaching? Now, come back to Luke 24. We got, a few, oh, we got plenty of time. We can keep going. Woohoo. Luke 24. You see, folks, who are we preaching? We're preaching the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in a new role, another role, another way, another picture, a different context. And yet, this doesn't diminish his earthly ministry and what he accomplished for Israel and in the prophetic program. Or, it doesn't also it doesn't diminish on how he was known and understood to be. Okay? Look at Luke 24. Just, we'll run some verses here for the last few minutes and just see. Luke 24, look, if you will, at verse 25. Then he said unto them, all right, so it's the Lord talking, and he is talking to the apostles. This is resurrection afternoon, morning. Actually, he's talking to the two on the road here, I believe, at this time. Uh, two of them went into the same village. Yeah, he, okay. If you... Verse 25, Then he, thus the Lord, said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all that was just revealed to you in a secret. No. All that who? The prophets have what? Spoken. 
He doesn't say all that Ephesians 1, Philippians 2, and Colossians 1 talk to you about. He doesn't say that, does he? Where does the Lord take them? He takes them backwards, doesn't he? He doesn't take them forward. Paul is moving us forward. <laughs> he, took a, he says, you're going to know me by what the prophet said. That's nothing new. Verse 26. Ought not Christ, here's what the prophet spoke, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? What the prophets talk about? The suffering of the Messiah and the kingdom glory. That's Psalms 22. If you, okay? Just I, like that. Isaiah 53 and so forth. And begin, now watch verse 27. And beginning with Paul. Uh, no, with who? Beginning at Moses, not with Moses, but where? At Moses. That, that's very distinctive. Because your Old Testament doesn't start in Genesis 1. It starts in Exodus with Moses, the Old Covenant. Now, you work that out in your brain for a little bit. What was he doing prior to Moses? Getting the Abrahamic Covenant, getting things started, getting them rolling. But Moses is the one that introduces the, the law, the if-then clause to the law of God. There starts the Old Covenant. Now, anyway, beginning at Moses... And all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They had a lack of knowledge, didn't they? So where did the Lord take them? He doesn't take them to more. Here, guys, let me get some revelation open for you. He takes them backwards into stuff that they should have already known. He'll look at these guys and he'll say, Search the scriptures. Have ye not read? You see? He's not taking them forward in anything new. Nothing new here. It's simply a continuation of what? Of what Moses talked about? What the prophets talked about. Look at verse 44. Now I've got to hurry. Verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. The Lord is going backwards to information already revealed. Nothing new here. Verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Understand what? Not Ephesians 1.10, but what? What Moses said, the prophet said, and the psalm said. Backwards. How do you know it? Well, verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. The event is not a mystery. But what does it mean? <laughs> That's the mystery. Because verse 47, And that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you're a witness of these things. Not, nothing new. We're just continuing on with what we had here. Come to John 1, next chapter. John 1. The Scripture has already been talking about who the Messiah is. It's knowable. It's searchable. There's nothing new here with the Lord in His earthly ministry. Remember Romans 15, 8? He's the minister of circumcision to do what? 
to confirm the promises made unto the people or the confirm the promises made unto the fathers okay nothing new here he's actually going backwards <laughs> paul's sitting here going no this has been kept secret let's go this way john 1 look at verse 45 verse 45 philip findeth nathaniel Okay, so the Lord has shown up here to Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Back up in verse 41, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. Verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom was just now revealed to be the Savior. No. Hello, you're out there? Folks on the Internet, there are people in the room. <laughs> no, what does he say? He says, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say anything new. He's, he's, he's what? Here's what the Old Testament said. Come over to chapter 5 of John. John 5. John 5.39. Search the scriptures. For in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Where do they have eternal life? Being in Christ. What does that Old Testament talk about? Him, Jehovah. There he is, backwards. In them, in the Messiah. For, drop down to verse 46. For had ye believed Moses, and that's their problem. They don't believe their Bible. This is the Pharisees here. Ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writing, how shall you believe my words? And again, that's the issue. They weren't believing the Old Testament scriptures as the Lord walked among them and did what the Messiah would do. God dwelling with us, putting that Emmanuel, putting out all that on display. And he looks at him and he says, you know, if you guys would have just believed Mo, where did he go? He went backwards, didn't he? Come over to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Because you know what happens? They all say, well, in Acts 2, you got the new. Here it is. The dispensation of grace starts in Acts 2. And with Peter, and because he's the rock, and he's the, got the keys to the, and he's the head of everything, and blah, 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 blah. And they get to running, and yet they don't even read what Peter says. Look at Acts 3, verse 18. Here's Peter, and he's talking. And he says, but those things which God before had shown by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Where did Peter just go to? He went backwards, didn't he? Not, okay, you, all right, we're moving on to something new. No, verse 19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins, notice, may be blotted out. Are your sins a maybe or are they a done deal blotted out? That's a done deal. Why? When the I'm sorry, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, whom before we preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise unto him of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. 
You notice how Peter doesn't say, I got a new word. Here's something new for you. We're moving on to the heavenly places. Your, your sins have been forgiven. They're waiting for a future. They understand their sins will be forgiven where? At the coming kingdom when the Messiah returns. The new covenant mentality, they've got that down. They got it. Peter doesn't move you forward. Peter's moving you backwards. He's moved you back to all the prophets have spoken since when? Since the world began. Come over to chapter 8 of Romans. Chapter 8. I'm, I'm sorry, of Acts. Acts 8. I'm trying to keep you in Acts because this is the battleground. This is where everybody breaks their full spiritual necks right here. Because they got this idea that Peter started something new. Peter didn't start anything new. By the way, we didn't read Acts 2. It's clear. <laughs> Peter's just continuing the same message. Look at Acts 8. In Acts 8, we have Philip. He goes out. Verse 26, he's going to deal with the Ethiopian. Look down at verse uh, 33. In his humiliation, uh, verse 32, the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. Now what's the scripture? Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. Where did Philip go? Backwards. Philip didn't say, he's talking about Christ, and he died for your sins, and was buried, and rose again, and if you just believe him, faith alone, faith only, boom. He didn't say any of that. He literally is going to drag him down into the water and baptize him. You see, Philip, backwards. Come over to Acts 10. Acts 10, obviously, we're after Acts 9, so Peter's going to be a little confused, isn't he? Acts chapter 10, just real quick, you'd stop, drop there in verse 43. Philip, or, I'm sorry, Peter here. Peter's a little confused. He's, he's preaching to Cornelius, and he says to him, Give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Where did he go? He went back to the prophets. Come on over to chapter 17. Chapter 17 of Acts. Watch Paul do this. Paul, Acts 17. Paul is in the Jewish synagogue, verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days, see Sabbath days, I would never tell you to come join us on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is not Sunday. It's Saturday. It's the end of the week. That's Jewish. He reasoned with them out of the Scripture, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preached unto you is Christ. What is Christ? Messiah. John 1. Okay. What did Paul do here? When he's dealing with the Jews in the synagogue, where does Paul go? Backwards. He has to. That's all they know. But what is he preaching? That the same Jesus he's preaching is who? Their Messiah that they killed, crucified. And now what does Paul then do? 
he opens up that next set of revelation, and what begins to happen? Some of them believed and consorted with Paul, and off they went. You see. So when you come back here to Romans 16, Paul, who, who are we preaching? Well, we're preaching about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in a, in, a, in, in a different manner, a different role, a different way. We're not diminishing from his earthly ministry. We're not diminishing from any of that. We're not contradicting any of that. And the fact that God has an eternal purpose for the two realms, that governmental structure of the heaven and of the earth, and that issue of him being pla- placing all of that under the supreme ruling authority of his son, that's who we're preaching, is that one. That's why Colossians 2.9, we talked, we'll do this and we'll, we'll be done. In 2.9 he says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. He is the supreme ruler. That's who we're talking about. So we got the who done. Well, now we'll get in, hopefully, a little quicker. We'll kill a few more ver- questions. But the who is, it, it, this is important because what happened, honestly, if you talk dispensational Bible study to anyone outside of our groups, if you will, they will nail you that you're preaching another Jesus. We're not. We're preaching him in a what? In another role, in another context, another view, one that was kept secret, but now is revealed. One, Acts 3, spoken since, one kept secret since (laughs) the world began. And those are two distinctive and two different things. Always remember, Peter moves backwards, and Peter always is speaking of what was already spoken. He never preaches anything new, speaks of anything new. Even in the Hebrew epistles, none of that is new. It's all back to fulfilling that end of that prophetic program. Okay? All right. We'll continue next time with part six, I promise you, and we'll hopefully move along a little quicker. All right? All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for everything that you've given to us and that everything that you've provided for us for eternity. In your name we pray.